back at the Automation Town Center for co-working today. Chad and I have a little shared office here that he manages his dog walking business from, and I really just come here for the snacks. Hey, Chad. Hey, Jason. Is that a typewriter? So here's the thing. I need to send these referral flyers out to all those past dog walking customers. Okay. So, you know, they hire me again, get business, things work out. But I need to put their names on each one. That's going to make a big difference, is it? Oh, yeah. You have no idea. So you're using the typewriter to put their names on each of them. I've got 700 to go. You have 700 dog walking clients? For the purposes of this bit, yeah. Okay, Chad. Let me guess. You've got a better way to do this? Roll that saddle stool on over here and let's take a look. Sit or stand? Let's stand. What do you do when you need to generate a bunch of a thing? Typewriter! Not a typewriter. Today, we're looking at different ways to generate stuff. From documents to contracts to images, you name it. So put that crusty old Microsoft Mail merge back on the shelf this week on Automation Man. I'm Jason. I'm Chad. Welcome to Automation Town, where regular people try to automate the problems we all share. All right, Jason. So how'd you get hot on generating stuff? You mean before you were doing the typewriter stuff? Before that, yeah. So I feel like this is something that we encounter one way or another in a bunch of different forms. You got to generate a whole bunch of instances of a thing, maybe one for every customer, maybe each time you onboard a new customer. You got to generate this thing and it's slightly different for each person. Maybe it's as simple as their name, you know, the name of their business, something like that. But it's a common problem we encounter. You just got to generate a whole bunch of this thing what are the tools in the space that will help us to do that? What did you start with? I mean, this is this is a problem we've seen in probably every company we've ever worked with. And going back to, I guess, the the early days of putting documents together, it was it was mail merge. Yeah. Like if you weren't a mail merge whiz, you were typing things out manually for as long as you remember. Do you have any jobs like that in the past? Yeah, I had a few things where I had to go through and like copy pasta several hundred things to stage these documents and then you've got like all these word documents staged in a folder and then you convert them all to pdf and yeah i remember some of that junior stuff that you just got stuck with my dad had a company and it was like late 90s or something like that and there was an accountant who was in the office i forget his name i remember what he looked like he had to create all these statements for something and i was just kind of like learning what accounting was and <laughs> he ended up he ended up scaring me obviously but that's what accounting is yeah that's what, yeah he was able to put all these things together and he showed me mail merge and i thought geez i'm gonna be so smart now that i know what this looks like and he made it work like a pro and then i had to do something i forget if it was just putting people's names or addresses on statements because maybe there was like a, a DOS system in the background that we couldn't get information out of. And I tried it and I failed miserably. I couldn't figure out how to get mail merge working. And I've never felt like more of a failure, but this episode brought me back to that. So I, I thank you so much for that. Imagine living in a pre and post mail merge world. Like how revolutionary that had to have been. You're calling me old? Yeah, I, well, I'm not imagining it. You can read between the lines. But just imagine the first time somebody plopped that on someone's desk. There was newspaper stories all over the place, I'm sure, about people being put out of work. Or people just like me who couldn't figure it out and spent two or three days trying to make it work when you could have just steal your word, copy paste things into it and made it work in the first place. Yeah, I still feel like there's that stuff around there today. Just not understanding that there is a systematic way 
to take a whole bunch of data and make it do whatever you want. And it may be worth starting with what's wrong with just using mail merge? Like what, like we have mail merge. So like, what is the function of these other tools for generating things? In my mind, it is the ability to do something first off without even having to touch it, like it just happening. But also ad hoc stuff like as it comes up. So mail merge, I think, is designed for batch processing. But what if every single time I have a new customer sign up, I need to create a Google Drive folder and park some documents that were generated just for them in there each time? Like that's not really a function you would use a mail merge for, right? No, I mean, we overcomplicate our lives tremendously now that we have so much tech in front of us. And everything's shiny. And sometimes we do things that we probably don't need to put a lot of effort into because the outcome's the same. The letter gets mailed or the folder gets created. But we'll spend a week automating something that probably could have taken a day to do manually or put in the right spot. So I agree with you. The flexibility and the shininess of the tech that exists today is why people probably don't use mail merge. And maybe there is a subset of people that still do it because it works. And there's nothing wrong with that. Well, let's start with a super basic example. I want to start by picking your brain on how you would do it. And then we'll talk through a few tools and a few kind of variations on this. So let's take a super basic example. Super common thing in my business, we sell tax returns. We do like 1,500 tax returns a year. And each of those tax returns gets a little cover page on the front with the business's name on it and like this little... PDF package. And it's genuinely as simple as chuck the business name on there. There's like a page template with like a little design on it. Chuck the business's name on there, the year and what type of tax return it is. So very simple, but you do 1500 of these a year. You don't actually want somebody like hopping into Word and King something up. Like you don't, you don't want to do that. What the software generates is hideous, you know, the tax software. So we want to do something that's going to look a little nicer, a little more on brand. But that's it, really. A single page, plopping the business name on there, the type of the tax return. How would you think about approaching something like that? When stuff like this pops up, I feel like half the battle is understanding where your data sits at the very beginning. So some people have that data in a tax return. Some people have it in a CRM. Most of the time, that data doesn't match. There's data scrubbing and quality control and cleaning that has to happen. And at the end of the day, there's a lot of pre-work, that's my dog, that goes into making data usable. So if you think of like a traditional office setting where someone's in charge of this project, that's them. They're making sure that everything that goes out is checked with their eyes against some sort of data source, and they're doing that data scrubbing. Maybe they're pretty good at Excel or formulas or something that lets them clean the data up a little bit, but it's it's a project. And I think that if I was starting with it, I'd really want to understand, like, where is the clean data? So that first piece of project management for me is always, what can I trust? And if I can't trust it, is it worth automating? or building a process around? Or can I clean it up in a relatively easy and short amount of time versus having somebody do it manually? Where do you normally start with stuff like this? I had some some uh, mental flare-ups when you said, if you don't have clean data, is it even worth doing? Especially, and I'm, I've, I have some very specific thoughts, but especially in the tax domain where the tools that you work with aren't cloud-connected tools, that's the real bottleneck there is getting access to data as opposed to, say, having an Airtable base where you've got all that information or a CRM where you can grab anything that you want. But yeah, it starts with data. And whenever I talk with people about no code, I try to, I think one of the first things you have to do is start thinking 
in terms of databases and how you're managing your information because without that information, it doesn't matter what you can automate after that. You got to have the correct client name and you don't want to trade copying and pasting to Word to copying and pasting to an Airtable form to then generate it because you haven't actually made your life any better. So yeah, definitely start with the data. You're having flashbacks. I'm having like severe PTSD because this is exactly what we go through for pretty much every single project we work on. And I don't know if there's a good answer. It just feels like anytime there's more than one system, it makes it really hard to have accurate data for it. Accurate in the terms of like, which one do you trust? So I like what this does. Like when you start to get into a project of, hey, I should think about mail merge. This is a thing that I want to automate. The secondary benefit of every conversation that you're going to have about data is like, huh, I'm screwed. Like I, I can't trust the data I'm working with, but what else in my company isn't working that well? And what else do I need to fix? Do you hire somebody? Do you get a developer? Do you get a no-code agency? Do you start learning yourself? Do you task somebody with learning how to do this? But I love the frame of mind that it puts you in when you start to see how these problems can manifest and progress year over year over year over year. And then that person wonders why they're in a mess 15 years down the road and they can't sell because everything is so bad. So when we talk with clients about developing automations for them, that's kind of always the first place you have to go is, I understand that you want to do this thing. What's the source of truth for where to get that information? And oftentimes, the reason it hasn't been automated already is there is no rule about every time XYZ needs to happen, this prerequisite step happens. And you're actually validating that you have complete information. So there's some upstream steps there you kind of have to lock down. I guess what we're talking about today is absolutely none of that. It's how to do all of the things when you have good information. Yeah. So if the format of the show sometimes is, hey, how would I approach this? And then you tell me the right way to do it. I think this comes down to like what you're comfortable with. And we can get pretty comfortable with things like Airtable and Airtable documents and creating your own PDF and using Google templates. And like sometimes the answer to how you would do something is nothing more than repetition and familiarity. I think that's why having peers and having communities and having people to talk about this to just opens up your perspective on what else is possible versus, you know, Airtable is the answer to 100% of no-code problems or to business problems, which is not the case anymore. So sure, I think we're so comfortable with the idea of storing something in a database, very easy to do with Airtable. New tools are coming out that have their own sort of built-in databases too, like Jotform, right? Which has created their own no-code app builder database space where you could possibly do some of this work in. And then you've got sort of like document generation no-code tools that exist and they'll essentially take data from anything, whether it's their own app through a form, through an API, through a connection, through using Salesforce data, et cetera, et cetera. So the big one in the industry is Formstack. They've been around for a long time. However, a lot of people are using other things too. I find myself now going into like a Google template and using the little squiggly brackets and creating some sort of uh, reference points or, or fields and then using those from any of the steps before in either Zapier or Airtable or Make or Integromat and then filling out that document because I work in Google and it's super familiar. Is it the best? Definitely not. Lots of issues that pop up there um, and it wouldn't be my first recommendation, but just an example of you know a quick and easy way to repetitively complete a document and do something with it. I think with almost all the things we talk about, there are a bunch of ways to get there. Some tools may absolutely be better than others, 
But when you pair that with familiarity and what it's going to take to learn a new thing versus that thing that you already know where you can kind of hack together and make it work, the right answer is going to be a little different for everybody. Yeah, it is worth saying none of the solutions here necessarily are the only solution. But what we're going to look at here, I think, is a kind of a logical progression of like, what's the plan and mail merge? And what are some of the newer tools we're looking at? that have come out more recently. But let's start with Formstack Documents because that's kind of the OG cloud document processing platform. Pretty simple and easy to understand. And then from there, look at what's Airtable doing now and what are some of the other options. So Formstack Documents used to be called WebMerge, I think. Mm -hmm. WebMerge.me. Very simple app. The whole premise is take any type of document, one page, 100 pages, and put a whole bunch of placeholders in there and then pump data into it and generate as many instances of that thing as you want. So what are some of the examples they talk about? Pull up the website real quick here. So create custom documents in minutes, personalize your documents, create multiple documents, so batches of documents, invoicing proposals, pretty much anything you can imagine. And I think Formstack made this acquisition because Formstack was originally just like a web form builder when that was a more novel thing than it is today. And that was a marriage that made a lot of sense. You could have your Formstack form. And now when you pair that with Formstack documents, what somebody puts into that form is then what populates the document. So from a web form, you can generate this big document. Today, I'm just looking exclusively at Formstack documents. You could absolutely use a web form to pump information into there, be it Formstack or JotForms or Airtable or anything else. But I think the real power of Formstack documents is really just in the template creation. So two different ways you can do this with Formstack documents. Create a free account. You can dive right into this web editor. So it's giant field with all your markup options from creating tables to bold and underline and formatting. And it's like a little bit old fashioned now word processor in your browser. Like by modern standards, it feels a little long in the teeth. But if I remember right, they also have this, I haven't used Formstack in a really long time, but didn't they have a place where you could upload a document, like a docx file, and then you could open that in like online word so that you actually are using word in the browser in order to edit that? I know they have an extension for Word. Hmm. And so you can actually set the document up in Word and put the placeholders in there. And I've uploaded the docx to Formstack documents, but I don't know that I edited it after that. Maybe that's just a thing I've never done. Hmm. Could be a thing, could not be. Basically two ways you can build stuff out via the in-app editor. And I see now they have a new builder, like a beta one that looks a little more modern. Or outside of the editor in Microsoft Word with that extension, you can build that out in Word too, if that's what you're more comfortable with. Or if you've already got the template there even. This is so powerful. Like if you think about it, having those Word documents, those contracts, and you've got something like an Excel file or a Google Drive thousands of rows of data and you need documents created. Could it be as easy as linking up the data in that Google Drive or Excel file and then pre-populating all these documents? Yeah, so in the case of Formstack documents, what are all the ways that you have to pipe information into it? So step one is creating the template one way or another. If you can use a word processor, you can do this. It's mega simple. I also just love the idea that you can use a docx also. So like you're not necessarily creating anything from scratch. You're just making the thing you already have smarter. And they could probably throw that into a form too, so that if you needed to gather some of the data from there, you could 
do that. That'd be kind of nice. But once you got your template, then what are all the ways that you can pump data through it to generate those documents? So when you set up that template, it asks you up front, do you want them to simply email the documents to you when they've been generated? Or do you want to integrate with a third party service? It says here, like, populate spreadsheets with data and automate your document generation. So the source Google Sheets, Amazon Web Services, PayPal data. I kind of love that they have like things like Clio there too. Can you imagine having all of like your legal stuff, but then Clio just doesn't do this one thing or this one document that's like incredibly customized to you. For again, not a, not a massive Clio user, so maybe they do do this, but you know, just having that ability to do something with it and send it somewhere else, it's super powerful. And because they're sort of like you said, the OG, they've got tons and tons and tons of integrations. I'd be surprised if somebody couldn't figure out a way to get any data into this because they also have API access. So they've got a bunch of native integrations. They've got API access. You've got a Zapier connector. So pretty much any way they've got like an in-app CSV upload too. So pretty much any way you can imagine you can get data into it. They even have what they call routing rules so that you can conditionally have it do certain things based on the data. So maybe based on some aspect in the data, maybe you actually want to generate this other document. So you can set up this kind of conditional logic. Yeah, what if you hire somebody and they're in different states? Use the address in the state for the contract that you require there. Again, not an HR person, but that'd be a fine use case of that. So the upside of this, like to take this back to the beginning, compare it to mail merge, the upside of this is you can not only automate the inbound flow of data and how it gets in, but then automate the destination of the output. So if somebody accepts a contract and that data gets pushed in via Zapier or something else, maybe Salesforce, you're then automatically getting the output as well. And you can put that wherever you want to put that via Zapier or a native integration. So to your example of tax return packages, your data source, wherever it is clean, will pump into forum stack. And like where will you end up sending that document that allows you to have a great customer experience? It depends on whether we're going to try to merge it in with the tax return itself. In our case right now, I think it's just going to the admin that's assembling the return and pulling that stuff all together and delivering it to the client. If you really wanted to go whole hog on how to piece that together, you would probably then be pairing that cover page with all the other parts of the document and merging them together. Did you just bore yourself by talking to yourself? Like I feel like you're bored. Yeah. <laughs> as soon as we got into this, I realized tax returns are a terrible example because like there is no way to get like all of the information from your system. From your system, yeah. It's like you have to have an export of everything including like the id of the document and then have that id of the document be linked to the pdf that you save somewhere and then have that route out properly it's a mess jason it's a mess so what we actually do right now is there's a dropbox folder that's watched they export the file from the tax software they put it in the dropbox folder the name and the client id can be parsed from that and that's how you get it and so that's what kicks off the process so I guess there isn't any reason that we then can merge the cover page into that same file, huh? Yeah, it's like watch the Dropbox folder, then create the document based on the file names that you create. Use that document as the appending document, and then you're good. But sidebar, why do tax software systems sort of bite the bullet? too much. Why, why are they so old school, Jason? It depends if you want anybody to listen to the rest of this podcast or... Uh, <laughs> Let's skip it. <laughs> really want to go deep on that, yeah. Uh, 
in short, they're all really old and nobody wants to make a new one because it's way too much work. Well, then let's open up to an easier question. So we've talked about the riveting world of tax returns. What are some other use cases you thought of that creating documents from other data sources looks like? You know what one always comes to mind when I think about these things for some reason? You know the little like letter size landscape certificate of completion that you get for like taking a course or your kid moving into bubbles three and swim lessons mm -hmm. or like fridge certificates, <laughs> you could call them. Mm -hmm. I always think of stuff like that because somebody somewhere is generating these things. That's always the one that comes front of mind. I love it. Now you have us thinking about like, remember that episode we talked about like the tide buttons you could have a couple buttons or some sort of form that generates this, hook it up to the printer in your house and whatever it is, you could select the type of certificate, what it is, what you want the text to be. And it's just sitting there ready for the kid to see it. I think that's, that's genius. How are you going to get the name into a Tide button? <laughs> Alexa? Yeah. <laughs> a button per kid. A list of other use cases I've come upon. I've got situations where some larger companies who we've worked with want some sort of standardized form of documentation for something that happened. So they want a document to be generated in a specific format anytime a certain things happens. And you could either like do a fillable PDF or something like that. But if you can pull all those data points from maybe the system that manages your meeting notes or, you know, some other thing, then you can use that to generate those documents and automatically park them where they need to be. I've got one. Like, okay, we work with other customers that have contractors. They have people that maybe don't know how to send the proper invoice for the country they're in or something like that. And they know that they want to get paid. They know that they have an hourly rate or a fixed rate and they know their address and they know their name, but they just don't want to use one of those free invoicing systems. Or they're really bad at doing their own accounting. There are companies that have portals where they require you to put in this information. And if you have a PDF or if you have something like that for an invoice, you can attach it. Formstack might be a good option for those companies that want to create the form that also generates the invoice for that person if they put in their tax IDs or names or things like this. And then also send that to the right place. So you mentioned before that Formstack is the OG. They're the ones that really can control where all of this data and documents also go. So why not send that data over to QuickBooks or Xero or Dynamics or NetSuite or any other ERP system anywhere, but also email a copy of that document back to that person with some of that other information like prospective pay dates or, hey, you're missing this information or, hey, it's over a certain amount, so we need some extra approvals. Just routing to replace the manual admin that I know certain people go through when they go through that hell of trying to figure out like, what is this invoice and why is it in an RTF format? Yeah, like you said, anytime you work with a company beyond a certain size, they have their own entire system you have to use for submitting invoices for payment and it's a nightmare and they have very strict requirements around oftentimes a purchase order needing to be issued against it, all the different things that need to be on your invoice. Small businesses, like the type of people I work with, they get anything and everything from, you know, these kind of one page tear off things where somebody just scribbles down what the invoice is. But then you kind of leave it up to that person to get you everything that you need, as opposed to saying, here's a set of requirements for what we need on an invoice that we're going to pay. If you don't have a way to do this, here's the system that you can use to generate these invoices in a format that we'll work with. And then from the company's standpoint, like you've got all the documentation that you need generated automatically. This is just a huge kick in the butt reminder that 
if you're not constantly looking for other tools and talking to peers and generally seeing what's out there, you miss out on some some pretty great things. And I can think of a few people that I know that run nonprofits or they have a heavy like donor registration process, etc accepting payments, getting waivers, a safety audit sign-offs every day, mm-hmm. check-ins for daycare if you're not using a daycare system. like All of that stuff doesn't have to be financial in nature. It can 100% be field-related, safety audit-related, and compliance-related for like local bylaws and things like this. There's got to be a huge opportunity for the massive inefficiencies that some people do manually in order to use something like this that could gather distribute, and just generally make people's lives easier. And I think this generation almost becomes more relevant as more things are moved toward web forms. So as more of what we do is run through web forms, unless the data goes where it needs to go and you've got a complete record of that, the only people that actually have access to the data that was submitted via web form is the people that have access to that web form platform. But Oftentimes you need a complete record of this person submitted all of this information. It may go a bunch of different places, but you still need a record of exactly what they submitted and when. And using Airtable as an example, let's say I'm going to take this information in in an Airtable form. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to give my entire team access to Airtable simply so that they can access the form submission data. So unless everybody's living in the platform where that web form is hosted, it almost becomes more relevant to create this like human readable paper trail as you're capturing that information in web forms. Sorry, I just can't stop thinking about the people that have to fill out paper safety audits every day and like just do that repetitive daily check and how something like this could turn into like government forms, bylaw forms, like real things that people have to sign off on every day. And again, one of the features in Formstack is the ability to do like written and drawn signatures. I don't know. I agree a hundred percent with you. Now my mind's just racing on like how to help people use stuff like this. It's it's pretty invigorating. And to to kind of come off your comment of like this generation that we're in is now getting used to web forms, right? Health records are starting to become more electronic with, you know, sign-in forms versus paper forms. It's almost like that reference back to mail merge at the very beginning. We adapt, we progress. And I'm just kind of happy to be along for the ride. Well, that's a very profound take on uh, generating PDF documents. Remember <laughs> the episode where I was creating all these PDF documents and you said PDFs are the source of all of our problems. It's a dumb format. <laughs> it's so funny. I will say this. There's a part of me that dies inside when I think about the notion of somebody completing a web form and creating a PDF from it. <laughs> Welcome to the government. Welcome to the government. But I will say... I do encounter this a lot where it's like, great, they completed the web form. Where can I find all that information that they gave us? And it's like, well, it's actually over here and it's over here. And the web form is completed in this other system you don't have access to. And mm-hmm. yeah, so I let's talk about I a few other examples here is invoice generation contracts, like, I, but your imagination can run wild. Anything that you need a big old document for. But that is form stack documents, which by traditional like SaaS standards is kind of old now. Like it's been around for a long time. And there are other people trying to do similar things in slightly different ways. It's kind of like Salesforce. Yeah. Salesforcebill.com. Like it's kind of of an older.com era. So what are some of the other tools? more of the newer cool kid tools that you work with that are doing similar things. Taking data 
manipulating it and doing something with it or more document related? More document related, like generating images or PDFs or that sort of thing. Oh, I mean, we've done a couple episodes on this already, but being able to coordinate PDFs through pdf.co and manipulating those has been pretty fun. Do you actually modify PDFs with PDF Co? No, I don't. Or just merge them? Just merge them, combine them, okay. that kind of stuff. So again, Formstock could probably do some of that stuff too, if there's logic for it. But there might be a world where what you send out also has to be manipulated and combined with other stuff that isn't in Formstack. So like having that skill set of using Make and Zapier and these other things to combine with Formstack seems like it's a pretty powerful arsenal. Humor me, what do you, what do you use this kind of stuff? for so Airtable is doing some versions of this but it's not quite the same so one thing they've had for a while is called page designer the idea is you can design a page and then basically tab through your records in the database and populate that page with all those different records and it works nice and it's it's straightforward enough but all of those things need to be generated in app like you have to open the page designer and then print it to a pdf or something like that so it's almost like the last most important step has never been there but then they recently released do you remember what it's called document automator or i feel like it's document automator something along those lines it's called document automator what? are you kidding me <laughs> i think it's 45 minutes buying a lottery ticket tonight um but yeah document like I think the reason why only certain OG users of Airtable were using Page Designer was because it was built in and you didn't have to do anything else. Yeah. Some of the like no code tools that have been developed for this that aren't form stack are just like super complicated and they try to be easy and the marketing speak is all easy, but they make it tough when you really get into using them. So document automator could be really cool if all you need to do is, you know, create the Google templated document instead of using make and you can keep it all in Airtable. It's a way to keep your operations down and your zaps down and you just kind of keep it right within Airtable. So it could be pretty great for some relatively simple, straightforward stuff. Have you looked at it very much, Document Automator? I looked at the video and read the blog and I saw it and I was like, ah, you know what? I can do this myself and, <laughs> and just like Google templates. And I was like, okay, is it a thing I want to go learn? And like everything that we talked about on the show was hey, broaden your horizons and give something a chance, and then I don't do it. So You know what this document automator feels like to me? What does it feel like? Mail merge with Airtable. Everything comes back to mail merge in this world. It's literally what it is. Like you're pushing Airtable data to your Google Sheets templates, which in my mind is mail merge, mm -hmm. and it's not actually like generating the document itself, I don't think. Yeah, it might. You never know. I mean, they wouldn't release it if it didn't generate a document would they the result is you have this document but is it actually like going to give me the pdf and then let me go do something with it i don't think it does oh aaron would be really upset at us right now for not knowing all these answers and recording an episode about it i will say the nice thing you have is you have all the automations of airtable built around that and the managing of the data and the pushing of the data to google sheets and stuff like that mm -hmm. but anyways that came out like in the last month or two that's probably the like newest angle i've seen on this problem the one other one i wanted to bring up is just strictly image generation oh i love that one so banner bear is an example there's a few others where it's a more visual approach rather than a document. It's more of an image. And so marketing folks get really excited about this. So an image you're going to use on Instagram posts or tweets or for a podcast episode, you've got a template 
you've got certain text that changes with each episode and a service like banner bear will let you push the data into it and in return it gives you the image that is so powerful this is one of these things where a lot of people have dabbled in it maybe not a lot but people start dabbling in it once they see other people start using it and making videos on it and it gets you like your mind racing I remember I had to build one last year where like depending on the country that the data source was coming from that was like the background image and then you would pick the flag so you would have this web hook that came in and then it would have this data and then you'd have a bunch of like switch formulas to determine which image to use and which flag image to use it was so empowering and at the time I looked at Banner Bear too. And this is one of these things where as long as you're in the game, you're already winning. It doesn't matter who you're using. I ended up using Placid, P-L-A-C-I-D, the little purple one. The pricing was good. It was just as feature rich, if not more. I just, I had no issues with it. And maybe power users might say, oh, you know, Placid doesn't do this one thing with a JSON file or something, but it looked like it was really great. Good templates and... I had a lot of fun with it. Do your naysayers normally speak through a corncob pipe? Is that how they normally... <laughs> Let's wrap this up. <laughs> so differentiating between this and document generation. Document generation, it's going to be more limited in terms of like dynamically updating visuals. Whereas with these image generators, if you're looking to do something more graphic intensive, they'll be better. So for example, we've done this to generate some reports we send to our clients where maybe... An up green arrow dynamically flips to a down red arrow if the trend is going down or something like that. So if you're looking for something with more visual design, mm -hmm. you probably want to look at image generation rather than document generation. And to be honest, there's a lot of things that we deliver in the form of documents that actually don't need to be documents that can just as easily be images and like come across better in SMS and on social, stuff like that. And that's scary for a lot of people, right? And then they wonder why people don't like open up their PDF documents that are 17 pages. You could theoretically also create images based off of form submissions or data sources that could also be inputted into a form stack document too. So you're getting the best of both worlds if you needed to do a lot of writing or tax returns, plus you needed your infographic at the beginning. You've got a whole host of options. You could, and you kind of cruise something by something really fancy that you said that people may not have picked up on. So how do you create the logic to get from point A to point B? So you've got this information, but how do you create the logic to say, based on that information, I want to use the green up arrow or the red down arrow or grab this country flag. Mm -hmm. I can tell you how I do it, which I think is the same thing you were saying. I'm capturing that information in Airtable and then I use formula fields. So an Airtable formula field is like a column that you can plug just like an Excel formula into that says, look at this value and that value. And, and based on these things, the output should be this. So in the really simple example of comparing two numbers, is it bigger or smaller? You got a formula that says, if number A is bigger than number B, use this up green image. If number B is bigger than number A, use this red down image. And then when I generate the image, I'm pushing the data out of Airtable. So what's pushed out is the image from the formula field, along with all the other information. And that's how you can kind of like build your own simple logic for it. And this is where it's fun to have like friends in this area. But if you're coming at this from, hey, like somebody sent me this and I should be looking into Formstack and I do a whole bunch of stuff manually, but I have no idea where to start. You know, for me, and not every business is like this, but I think you could go back to your Google Drive or your network storage. Look at all the templates you've got. Like look at the Google Doc templates that you've got. Look at the Word templates that you've got. 
you've got a bunch already and think about all the contexts in which they're being used. It's a great place to start, not necessarily creating something new, but just finding a way to generate that thing that you're already doing automatically. Yeah. I'd also add, don't be afraid to hire somebody off of Upwork or Fiverr that might be able to connect something for you or show you how to do something. You might only have to pay 30 to 250 bucks for someone to connect something for you. And it just might save a lot of problems and start some conversations that you may not have you know, been willing to have before. Yeah. Is it feedback time? Feedback time. Feedback time. Feedback time. Feedback time. You got to say it too. And then we'll all say it together. <laughs> feedback time. Feedback time. Feedback time. <laughs> all right, Jason. Did, did we solve what we were hoping to solve today, which was to essentially challenge the notion of mail merge and come up with a better alternative. I think we did. So if this started with you're generating all these flyers that you're going to send to your customers, we can absolutely do that. The title of the episode is for when you need fridge certificates. You've got a way to do that now. I think we ticked all the boxes. What do you think? We ticked all the boxes. It's rare that we actually come out of this with something pretty useful. Yeah, it's kind of inspired me too to go back and look at Formstack. And I brought up the pricing during this episode and like it's not cheap. It's not cheap at all. Salesforce isn't cheap either, right? It's the one that's been around a lot. Bill.com's not cheap anymore. If you went on a monthly plan, on a starter plan for Formstack right now. Yeah, 400 bucks a month. Holy geez. <laughs> Excuse me. So you've got a starter at 92 a month. You're looking at documents? I'm looking at the whole product. So signatures, submissions, forms, things like that. You don't want all that stuff, Davis. Okay. If you just look at Formstack documents, that's the secret sauce. Yeah. 110 bucks a month, build monthly. Got to flick that little switch. Where build annual to monthly. The Canadian switch? Because you've got different numbers than I do. <gasps> They're profiling me. <laughs> <laughs> no, it says build annually 92, build monthly 110. What do you show? I've got 92. So you're right. I just okay, gotcha. Yeah, but you know, it might not give you very much, right? It lets you do 150 documents. You're a big company that's going to go by pretty quick. Next plan is like 500 documents for 220 bucks, then 2,000 documents for 400 bucks. Like we're, t- we're talking not cheap stuff here. Not cheap stuff here, but if you're going all in on form stack, somebody's spending a crap ton of time on something. Like if you need this, it's because you're doing hundreds of this thing. Yep, I agree. If you went to that big plan, that like uh, $700 a month plan, you're looking at 10,000 merges and documents. The difference between three and $400 and $700 for a large company where you know, you're paying somebody three to $500 a day, maybe doing some of this stuff, maybe less. It's a no brainer. And I think that's a whole other conversation around like the ROI of these tools. And while it feels like it's sticker shock, it really isn't at the, in, the, in the grand scheme of things if you do it right. I'll tell you this. It's really interesting if you compare this to the pricing of image generation, which is like a fraction of a fraction of a penny per image. It'll also be interesting to see how Airtable's document automator develops too. Because if that's something that you already have in your $24 a month Airtable subscription, mm-hmm. that's pretty compelling. Yeah, and if you can, if you can use like your 50,000 Airtable automations as part of it, whew, yeah. You're you're laughing. Yep. You nailed it there, Mr. Stats. Anything in your life you're going to go uh generate now? Certificates. I'm going to be that dad that's just going to like going to praise them for everything. Good bathroom break, boy. Here's a certificate. You came to my child's <laughs> birthday. Every kid goes home with a fridge certificate. Oh, that's awesome. Just got to figure out how to do that like reflective embossing on it, right? Yeah. 
Automation Town is hosted by Chad Davis and Jason Statz and edited by Paul Amara. Share your problems with us on Twitter at Chad Davis. Is it just Chad Davis? Yeah. And J Stats CPA. How do you spell that? Stats S T A A T S. It's a palindrome, but it has CPA at the end, so it's not a palindrome. Right. So if we're following along, J S T A A T S C P A. You did say it right. If you're enjoying the pod, please leave Automation Town a review by submitting a note in person at the Automation Town Civic Center or sending a fax to 555 908 8425.